Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of No Limits here on StateHornet.com. I am podcast staffer Matt Gervin III, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Gary Singh. Gary, how you doing today? What's up? What's happening? What's good with Mac Irvin the Third? Ugh, man. Uh, these Kings confuse the hell out of me, man. I don't know what's. Well, I don't know what to make of them anymore. But uh, I guess we'll talk about that with our guest this week. Let's welcome in the co-host of D'Lo and KC on ESPN thirteen twenty and the creator of the Be Heard podcast platform. It's Mr. Damian Barling. And Damian, how you doing today? Mac, how have we not named you EM three yet? Like that is a dope nickname like we'll start calling you <laughs> em3 that's actually cool right there nobody's ever given me that nickname so <laughs> yo one of a kind here we go that's it we're gonna we're gonna make that stick man em3 i like it <laughs> gee what's up man thanks for having me guys i appreciate it appreciate you so the first question i have for you damien was you know let us know a little bit of your background how did you get to where you are today you know you kind of explained to us on before the pod so we got to get it on the pod now so explain your journey to where you are today and, you know how long you've been doing what you've been doing yeah sure i'll try to keep it brief but interesting uh i went to school out here in sacramento i went to el camino high school we had a high school uh, a student run radio station there within the high school and it was something that i fell in love with it i started my freshman year i got ahead in my classes in my freshman you know sophomore and junior year to the point where i would spend two or three hours my senior year i had one of those senior years where you could really coast <laughs> like i was ahead of everything like i didn't really want to graduate early i wanted to do the do the radio stuff that we were doing so i just kind of spent most of my senior year there in that radio station now at the time i don't know what it looks like now but in 1997 1998 when i graduated it was kind of a you know, it, it wasn't like I thought I, I thought I was working in a real radio station, but it wasn't really a radio station. I mean, it broadcasts like a real radio station, but, you know, it, it's not like you you got to jump on what it was like to be at, you know, ESPN 1320 or KSFM, the different places that I've worked. So but it was fun, man. I loved it. I grew up loving music. I'm not like a lot of sports hosts who grew up listening to sports talk radio and falling asleep to the game being called like that wasn't me man i fell asleep to music like i fell asleep to david and ebro you know what i mean and marcus allen and woken up to those guys like that's what i knew that was the love i had my first love wasn't sports it was music so i was always into music and that's kind of what led me to to the radio program at el camino and then when i went to junior college when i went to american river college i missed it and i was kind of doing the thing where you you take the classes that you need to take. You're going to transfer to Sac State. I'd figure I'd go there, get my business degree, do the business program at Sac State and, you know, be off on my way doing whatever I was going to do with my business degree. Uh, but I really, really missed radio and I applied for an internship at KSFM, which I got. And the second KSFM hired me, I finished up the semester I was in at American River College and I was like, I love y'all, but I'm going to go ahead and get back to you later because school just like I, I, I was bored. I was tired. Like I, I wanted to be in radio. I wanted to do something creative. So I eventually went back and I did get my bachelor's degree from the University of Phoenix online, which I do think is important. But uh, at the time, it just wasn't my focus. And I wanted to I wanted to do something that that fueled like my love of music and my 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 creative passion for communicating. Like I'm kind of an introvert. I'm very reserved, like if you meet me and I don't know you, but whenever I was like involved in radio, whenever I was involved in music, that was kind of like my, I could come out of my shell there a little bit. So I learned to kind of find myself at KSFM and I learned to find, 
You know, I don't. I don't want to say like I, I use the nickname D'Lo. I've I've used the nickname D'Lo because I had to. I, I made it up when I was at KSFM, but it's kind of it. It's stuck with me all this time. It was. It's just kind of like a different persona. Like Damien is a little bit more re- reserved. D'Lo is the guy when the microphone turns on, and uh, it's it's it, it's just like I have a love and a passion for for communicating. So. Uh, that's kind of how I started, man. I started at KSFM. I worked my way through there. I wound up doing a morning show, wound up doing a midday show. Uh, life took me away from radio a little bit, which I missed desperately. And then that's when I eventually came back and got involved with sports talk, which ultimately led me to where I'm at right now, ESPN 1320. And then, you know, the great opportunities that I get with my man, Marshall Harris over at CBS 13. I get to do a lot of TV stuff as well, talking sports and talking these uh, dysfunctional kings that you were just talking about there a moment ago. There you go. There you go. It's funny dysfunctional in a good way. Dysfunctional in a good way, though. Sure. <laughs> there you had to put that in there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I'm the radio manager at Sac State for the radio station at KSSU, and like I'm also business major too. So it sounds like you know you're all like doing the stuff I was doing right now. Yeah. So it's funny how you mentioned that stuff, and like it's funny I'm on the radio now. And I already think like I already know what you're saying. Like literally, I already know it's nowhere near to like 102.5 is. But like you said, at least it's online. At least you're getting broadcast and you're building those skill sets. So. It's like kind of relatable right there. It's yeah, no, like and at the time I didn't know that it wasn't. Like you couldn't tell me. Like I knew that there were people within like a couple block radius that could hear my radio station. The the, the, the radio station at El Camino is called KYDS. It's actually significantly bigger than I ever imagined it was. But you're playing like tapes. You know what I mean? And you're you know, you're using old like eight track systems and all of this old stuff, which is like cool. You could do a lot of pre-recorded stuff, but ultimately what it did is it just kind of set up like I like to do this. So even though it might not be what a KSFM is like or it might not be what an ESPN is like or or, or, or the end or or 98 rock or whatever, it still very much can ignite the passion that you have for the industry. You know, you mentioned kind of having a different persona when the mic goes on. How do you kind of get yourself ready for a show like that and get into character like that? Well, it's not it's not a character. I don't get into character. It's more of a, OK, here we go. Like like if you if you ever watch like you can we you know, because radio and, and Mac, you know, this we talk uh, we talk about this a lot, you know, with Be Heard is you're not really a radio personality anymore. You're not really a television personality anymore. You're a multimedia journalist. And you have to learn how to do if you if you want to do radio, you've got to learn how to do TV and you've got to learn how to do Instagram and you got to learn how to do Instagram live and YouTube and you got to learn how to stream and you got to do all of these things. So when we started D-Lo and KC last August on ESPN, one of the first things we thought about was, OK, we're going to start the show. We're starting it in the middle of the pandemic. So it's a little awkward. We're not going to be in studio. We're not going to be together, but we're going to be on Zoom so we can see each other once we get this down. We're going to hit go live so everybody can see the stream and see what we're doing. And you basically create a TV show out of a radio show. So if you ever watch the stream, we start it, you know, normally about five to ten minutes before the show actually goes live. Just kind of chat with people who are in there and you'll kind of see, you know, me and Kenny will we'll hit the fist bump. We hit the, you know, we just kind of go through our routine. And when all is said and done, there's this moment, you know, as the music is playing, as the intro is playing just stop, deep breath, close my eyes. And it's like, OK deliver the message what's the message you know what i mean like we're talking here on thursday may 6th and you know the kings have won four in a row people are talking playing like the the it's exciting if you're a kings fan it's your exciting we know we have a message to deliver today like we have a message that could be a lot of fun our goal today was let's have fun with this 
this is the most meaningful basketball game that the Kings have played this late in the season in 15 years. Have fun with it. Don't worry about lottery balls. Don't worry about draft position. Just have fun with it. So it's just kind of a moment where you take a deep breath and you kind of solidify what your message is. The message isn't always going to be fun. You know, sometimes there are messages of people losing their jobs. Sometimes there are messages of people being traded. You know what we went through this summer, you know, after George Floyd, there were the, you know, there was the, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks walking off the floor. There were things going on in the NBA and going on across sports like you have to deliver those. And the message is a lot different. The tone is a lot different. So it's not necessarily getting into a character. It's kind of a realization of like, what are you trying to deliver today? Like, what message are you trying to deliver and and how do you want to get that across? So once you have an understanding of that, that kind of sets the tone for the day. But it's always you work, you know, a long way. Like the show is on from 12 to 4. And you guys know this as you prepare for podcast and everything that you do at Sac State is you may be on for an hour. You might be on for two hours, but you've got one to two to three to four hours before that that you've got to prepare. And, you know, you kind of prepare for that moment. You lay out that message. You lay out that thread. You lay out that show. And then in the seconds before you actually start talking, that's where it's like, okay, how are you going to deliver this and get this message across to where it's engaging for people and where people, like, don't want to leave you. They want to be tuned into everything that you're saying. Yeah, I could totally relate to that. Kind of like flipping the switch, I kind of say, you know. Like you said, they're the same character, but you got to be able to flip that switch in different areas. And what, like you said, that message you're trying to curate to, you know, the overall day. So I totally understand that. But I, had, I want to rewind real quick. And you said you mentioned that you were more into music, which is interesting because I, I work at the radio station. A lot of people are into music, you know. And, like, how did you switch lanes then to the sports world, you know? Because usually, like, I would assume it's pretty hard, like, if you're not about it in the beginning. Like, how did you kind of develop that, you know, like, yeah, basically how'd you get into that lane it's very different yeah the the doing music especially now like even even when i you know did it back in 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 the, in the early 2000s it was still a it's like a, a quick hit like the when you're at ksfm you know the you know especially back then the star of the show is the music so you know going back to you know the, the, the you know when the morning show was popping like the star of the show was 50 cent in the club the star of the show was Usher. Yeah, the star of the show was Beyonce. The star of the show was music. So you're in to deliver a quick message. The quick message might be a concert. The quick message might be that you got a giveaway. I did the morning show for a while. Quick message might be you're going to be entertaining, but you're going to be entertaining. You're going to have fun. You're going to do a bit. You're going to want a prank phone call. You're going to do an interview with a comedian. You're going to do something like that, but you're going to do it quick in the span of like maybe four minutes, five minutes at the most. Like you're kind of an accent to the music. And in sports, it's the exact opposite, which is why, you know, being in sports talk radio is so personal, because if someone doesn't like you, like they literally don't like you. If someone doesn't listen to KSFM or they don't listen to the end or they don't listen to 98 Rock, they probably don't listen because of the music. I know all of the DJs at 98 Rock. They're fantastic. But I don't tune into that station because that's not the genre of music that I like to listen to. It has nothing to do with those guys. But when you're listening to the sports talk, it's like, oh, this dude's an ass. I ain't listening to this dude, man. He's (laughs) stupid. Man, he he can't get his message across. He don't know his facts. He's boring or he just yells all the time or he rants. He's screaming at the clouds, whatever it may be. So it's easy to take it a little bit more personal. And that was there's multiple adjustments that have to be made there. You go from being an accent to music to being the music. You know, those are the two different things. And your message, the way that you deliver, it's much slower. So on the music side, it's pop, 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 pop. 
pop, 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 pop. It's like literally the rhythm of a, it's, it's a beat. Pop, 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 pop. That's what you're doing as a DJ on a music station. But in sports talk, you have to deliver a message and give someone an opportunity to digest it. Like the show is D'Lo and KC, right? It's Damian Barling and it's Kenny Carraway. But we've got a third host of that show. The host is silence. Because I'll say something and it's like, think you, you pause and you let it sit. And most people think, no, no, you can't be silent on the radio. Like, what's, what's, what's going on? It's dead air. You got to feel it. That's never how I felt. I've always felt like, yo, if I say, hey, Russell Westbrook, one's triple-double away from brace, uh, tying Oscar Robertson's record. Explain to me how Russell Westbrook isn't one of the greatest point guards you've ever seen. Pause. Let somebody think about it. Let them say their answer in their car. Let them say their answer to their friend. Whatever it may be, but pause and then give your uh, reasoning why you think Russell Westbrook is one of the greatest point guards of all time or why you think De'Aaron Fox is about to have a breakout season or why you think Marvin Bagley has done what he's done. While music was my first love, sports was my second. And part of the reason that I left KSFM was life brought me other opportunities, but it was a little bit easier to pull me away from KSFM at the time because I stopped loving the music. I felt like there was a shift. And like you guys are football fans, right? So we just passed the, the NFL draft and there were all of these rumors about Mac Jones going to the 49ers. And most people didn't think that Mac Jones was the third best quarterback in the, in the NFL draft. Most people didn't think that Mac Jones should be selected by the San Francisco 49ers. So if you're on an FM station and you're playing music that you don't like, it's the equivalent of going on a sports talk station and talking about how great you think Mac Jones is. Or it's the equivalent of talking about how great the Sacramento Kings were the night that they played the Utah Jazz and lost by 49. Like it stinks, right? Like it's bad. So I felt the shift in the music to where I didn't love the music anymore. You can't go on a music station and go, man, that song sucks. Because it's like, if it sucks, why are you playing it? But you're playing it because you know most of the people listening. You're, you're banking on most of the people listening, loving it, even though it might not be what you love. I started to feel like a Bay Bay was out and, and soldier <laughs> boy was out. And, and it was just like, yeah, I can't sell this. Like this isn't hot for me. So again, life brings you other opportunities and you move along. And I always love sports. And as I was away from radio, I got a little bit more ingrained into professional sports and I just missed communicating so much. Like I had the opportunity to be around a lot of broadcasters while I was away. I had an opportunity to be around ESPN in Bristol and I just missed communicating with people. And thankfully, I still had some connections here. And the guy who hired me at KSFM knew I had the ability to speak, so he gave me a chance at the sports radio station I used to work at, at KHDK. And when he did that, like that's how I learned, you know, the, how different pacing, like it kind of gave me an opportunity and that's what that's how uh, I eventually got my foot in the door in sports talk. And it was a massive learning curve. Like the first time I did a sports talk show, I had notes like 40 pages thick for two. It was like a 90 minute show. I had everything. Y'all, no lie. I, I burned through those notes probably in about 10 minutes, 10 minutes of a 90 <laughs> minute show because I didn't know how to pace myself. I didn't know how to slow down. And so I, I get to the first commercial break. Like, what am I going to do? I started calling people that I knew. Like, hey, come on the radio with me. And thankfully, I knew some pretty cool people who were like, okay, I need help. I got an hour left, and I don't know what to do. So they came on to help me get through, and then I learned you've got to slow down. You've got to slow down a little bit. And that's something that I, I, I still deal with that to this day. Like, if, if Kenny's ever out and I got to do a show by myself, 
that deep breath that I was talking about, eyes closed before the show starts to deliver a message, the last thing I'm saying to myself is slow down. Slow down. Get the message out there. Pace this show out. You've got four hours to get your point across. It was a difficult transition, but it was a cool learning experience for sure. It's like working two different muscles. It's like being a sprinter and being a long distance runner. Last question real quick before we switch legs to uh, some sports sports. I got to ask, kind of, you know, explain the difference between working on TV and working like for the radio, you know, like just explain the difference to some guys who actually, you know, want to do that one day as well. The difference, is, it's a big difference. Being on TV is a lot. It's like the perfect mix of being an FM DJ and an AM DJ. You've got to get the message across a lot quicker on TV. You don't have four hours to do it. You know what I mean? And thankfully, in the in the TV spot, working with pros like Marshall and Sarah, I'm in the easy chair. They're doing the work because when you're driving the show, whether it's on radio or television, it's a lot more stressful because you're in charge of the time cues. You're in charge of commercials. You're in charge of keeping everything going. So when you're kind of in the second chair on television, it's a lot easier. Marshall's doing all the work. Marshall's telling me before... You know, we go on the air. Hey, we're going to run a Kings highlight package here. We'll talk about the Kings. We'll talk about Marvin Bagley. Uh, we'll talk about DeLon Wright in this lineup right now. That's what we're going to do. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know how long the segment is. I don't need to know when we're going to commercial because all my cues are coming from him. But you do have to be aware of the cues. You have to be aware of the time. Like, you don't have four hours to get a message across. You don't have 30 minutes to get a message across. You got about two. You got about two and a half. So you got to be aware of that. It's a little bit quicker. And then the thing that scares people, and rightfully so, are cameras. You don't know what to do with the cameras. They'll tell you, like, because that was the first thing I said. It was like, do I look at the camera or am I looking at you? And they'll always say the same thing. No, just look at me. Look at like we're having a conversation. And that's good when you have like a three-person desk, right? And you're just communicating with each other. You see it all the time at ESPN. And then I learned... It was a little bit different on a couple of days where I would actually co-anchor the show with Marshall. He would still be the anchor, but I would be in the second chair for the entire 30 minutes rather than one segment. You're looking at the camera a lot more, and that's the part that even, you know, however many years later, it's still weird. You know what I mean? Even with the camera, like I have a camera in front of me just like this four hours a day, every day. It's still awkward. Like it's you just you I don't personally get used to it. I'm confident Marshall does as he does it every day, you know, for for however many years now. But I it's still it's still awkward for me. That's the biggest difference. It's truly that the timing and the camera is the biggest difference between television and radio. Funny that you mentioned timing, because let's go into our royal check in right now about the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> and speaking of timing. Man, I had given up on this team. Like, I had checked out that the season's over. I'm just focusing on draft position and who we're going to get in the draft. And then all of a sudden, with De'Aaron Fox out, with Halliburton falling out due to injury, this team decides to go out and start winning games. Like, convincingly winning games. So, is it still ridiculous to say the P word right now? No. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's it's ridiculous that we're here. You know, this is a team that lost nine games in a row twice. They lost nine games in a row twice this year. They had never done that. As bad as the Kings have been through the last 30-some-odd years in Sacramento, they had never done that before. They had never lost nine games in a row twice in the same season. And, it, yeah, you should have been looking at draft picks. This was over. De'Aaron out. Health and safety protocols. Tyrese now all of a sudden out. 
Marvin Bagley just returning. Harrison Barnes, the Iron Man hurt. He's had a, you know, he had a great year. He got injured. Then he had to move to the four. All of these weird things happening with him. And then you see the second unit come out after a 49-point beatdown from Utah. And it's like, all right, they got a nice little win. That's cool. I mean, that's good. Like, you root for the Kings to win, right? Then they go out, they beat the Lakers. Oh, it's always fun to beat the Lakers. But then you start looking around like, okay, wait a minute. We got Oklahoma City coming up. We know Oklahoma City isn't good. Okay, we're, we're not good and we're hurt, but Oklahoma City isn't good. And they're not even trying to win. But look at San Antonio's schedule. Like, San Antonio's got a couple of games against Utah. San Antonio's got Phoenix ahead. San Antonio has a schedule that, with the exception of the Kings game, you can look at and go, they might not win another game this season. And so you start putting these pieces together and you realize, if the Kings go 6-2, and two, which seems a bit ridiculous, but we've seen them do it this year, and the Spurs go 2-6, and six, the Kings get to the play-in game? So again, going back to what EM3 said there a second ago, yes, it's preposterous to talk about the play-in game, but yet, here we are with arguably the game Friday night against the, the San Antonio Spurs being the biggest game in 15 years for the Sacramento Kings. It's funny that you mentioned that, Damien, because literally you've been preaching to my choir all year. I've been telling Mac all year, I don't like the word tanking. You know, we've got to build a culture at some point and somehow. And, you know, winning games, even meaningless games, I feel like is going to be good for us Kings fans. And, like you know, like you said, I'm tired of us losing. I don't really care for the draft spot. It's whatever at this point to me. Like, and it's funny that you mentioned this is what they would do, right? Like, a couple weeks ago, I remember listening to KHDK, and literally, they were giving us the 10 seed. The Warriors were literally, I was to, I told Mac, literally, when uh, Buddy Heal, they lost the Warriors game, and literally, when he threw the ball back to Steph Curry, Steph Curry threw it to Buddy, and literally gave up the game, fumbled the ball on a layup when they could have won, and they literally lost to the Detroit and the Wolves. Yeah. I was like, that was a point I was like, all right, you guys you guys just don't want it again yeah. this year. It's just it's right there. And I felt like him throwing the ball away reminded me of our season. Like, we're right there. The Warriors trying to give it to us, and they just throw it away. And then they go on this win streak, which is, like you said, not, lose two game, two streaks, losing nine games. I was just like, I thought it was over. But, hey, being optimistic right now again, it's going to be a difficult one. I don't know. They're going to have to, you know, every time you know you get a little bit happy about them, you know, well, uh, sack native, it gets a little scary right But here's here. the thing, G. You know, you're talking about the play with Buddy on the inbound play where he, he you know, fumbles it off his hands, kind of falls forward, just a basketball folly, and it falls out of bounds. It's a microcosm of the King season. The likelihood of you seeing that again in the next couple of days is really high. <laughs> right like 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 the and, and i'm not talking about that particular play with buddy i'm talking about that particular analogy them being so close having the opportunity to take it like what would be the most king's thing to happen they beat san antonio they get within a game and a half and then guess what oklahoma city comes in here and decides you know what we might want to win one or two before we wrap up this season, and they're able to get one against Sacramento. That would be the equivalent of Buddy fumbling the ball out of bounds. But you know what? We don't have to worry about that right now. We can think about the game against San Antonio. We can think about the Friday night game. Go, That's a big deal. It matters. They have a couple of games on the horizon, even if they lose tomorrow, even if they lose against San Antonio, I mean, and, and, and they go out there and they beat Oklahoma City. They've got meaningful basketball coming up against Memphis. It's the first time in a decade and a half 
that they've played meaningful basketball this late in the season. It's fun to enjoy it. Even if we have to deal with the basketball folly of fumbling the ball out of bounds, enjoy it now <laughs> until we fumble the ball out of bounds. So as we mentioned, we're recording this Thursday. So by the time most of you listen to this, you will already know the result of the mm -hmm. game against the Spurs. But I do have one more question. You know, as you mentioned, Fox was in the uh, health and safety protocol. We know Halliburton's done for the year, essentially. So the question is, if Fox and if Barnes, if he's able to come back as well, do you immediately move them into the starting lineup? Or yeah. do you kind of let these guys keep riding that wave of form? Oh, that's a good question, Mac. That was debated extensively uh, leading into the Spurs game. Um, with De'Aaron, De'Aaron's not injured, right? We really don't know why De'Aaron is in health and safety protocols, but he is. So let's assume that he's not sick and he's not dealing with any symptoms. Let's assume it was it was a contact situation or something along those lines, or even if it was a positive, it was an asymptomatic positive. All right, you can insert him back into the starting lineup, and he's your best player. You do that. Harrison is dealing with an injury, right? So you can approach that differently. You can approach that in a situation of, we're going to start Harrison, but we're going to limit his minutes. Or you could approach from the other person, we're, we're not going to start Harrison. We're going to put him on the exercise bike to keep his hip loose, and then we'll throw him in there when, when, when we need him, but we're still going to monitor his minutes. Right now, I'm normally of the belief, particularly when you have a starter like Harrison Barnes, you start them because you're coming straight out of warm-ups. He's already sweating. He's already warm. You don't have to worry about his hip tightening up. But with the way that the team has played, with the way that this group has started, I might go the other way and say if we're going to limit Harrison's minutes, throw him on the exercise bike, let him stay loose, let him work with the trainer. When Luke calls his number, he goes in, but you start with Mo Harkless and Rashawn Holmes and, and, and the guys that have been out there and working so effectively because you're already going to make the switch with De'Aaron, which is pulling DeLon out of a role that he has played really, really well recently too. So it's a tightrope that Luke Walton is walking the next couple of days, which is it's it's really tough for him. He's gonna he's gonna earn he's really gonna earn his money the next couple of days. Well, as the Kings target that play in game, the Lakers are trying to avoid slipping into Ooh. that play in game. And LeBron James came out with the, in the past week and said whoever came up with the idea for the play in game should be fired. <laughs> it's it seems it kind of seems like he's saying that because just because they're in danger of falling into it. But I do want to ask you, Damian and Gary, is it a good idea to have a playing game this year? And is it a good idea to have it going forward? I want to see it. Um, I liked it last year because of the circumstances of last year. And I was kind of excited about the idea of it this year. I think it's a bit too convoluted. Like, we don't, there's four playing teams now, like seven and eight and, and nine and ten. I don't particularly love that part. I want to see it this year. Of course, it creates more meaningful basketball late in the season. You know, Anthony Davis went out with back spasms. LeBron James is, you know, he's not coming back till next week. And it, it kind of puts teams who are flirting with that, you know, what you, the, the five, six, seven range. It, it put, puts you in a situation where we don't want to play essentially an extra series. But also remember, next year, hopefully... We're back to 82 games. We don't need this. If you want a one-off, like a baseball, like wild card, you know, type thing, if you, if, if you want a one-off type game, okay, 
Like, that's cool. I don't think we need an entire series off in an 82 game. I don't think the person who thought of this deserves to be fired. Uh, and I know LeBron was, was kind of being tongue-in-cheek with that to a certain degree. I think he was more trying to get people's attention like, hey, this is dumb. I've got power here. My best friend is the head of the Players Association. Enjoy it because I'm going to do everything I can to boot this joint next year. And uh, again, <laughs> I, it worked last year. I'm curious to see what it looks like next year. But with 82 games next year, I don't think that we need it. So I think you made some couple good points right there, Damien. I think the number one point I think was tanking. I think it does get, you know, you got extra couple markets here. Usually would be down in the dumps, not caring about what's happening with their teams right now. Involved, so that's obviously good for business for the NBA. You all know the money aspect for the NBA is great. In terms of also fan, being a fan of the game, I like it. It's interesting. It's fan. You know, we're gonna, like you said, it's gonna be really interesting. That it's really interesting to see that playing game. But in terms of like the actual like, if I'm a player or, or if I'm a player or anything like that, I don't like it just because. Or like you mentioned, we have 72 games, 82 games. Like you need that many games, and plus these little three small games to figure out if you're you know if you deserve to make the playoffs. That should be a more than enough time to know if you're a playoff team or not a playoff team. Yeah. And I think the thing they missed this year, I think you're right. They kind of just threw in the 9 and 10 automatically. But one key thing I think everyone forgot last year was you had to be within three 3.5 games to get into mm. that tournament. Yeah. And I think that's one big thing they missed out on this year. I think if they made it like eight, that's not, let's just not do seven. Let's just keep only eight. And if you're a team that's, you know, a game or half or game back or at least two games back, then a playing situation makes more sense. But if sure. you're like four or five games back, you know, like our Kings are right now, like they were, like it wouldn't make sense. I don't think we don't deserve it. I hope, you know, we get in, but like we wouldn't deserve it in my opinion. So like, I mean, that's my thing on it. But as a fan, I can't wait to watch it. We might, I don't think we're going to see it this year because of the way that the Wizards are playing and the way that, you know, the Kings are playing right now. And and, and even the Pelicans, whoever winds up getting that 10th spot is, they're not going to have a great record but it's not going to be like an embarrassing record. You keep flirting with this, like you keep messing around with this. There's going to be a year where a team that's kind of like, yo, this team's got 30 wins, and I'm talking in an 82-game season. This Man. team's got 31 wins, and they're fighting for, you know, they're in a playing game. That's not a good look for the NBA. Where you are Now we're talking 20 potential postseason teams in a 30-team league. We don't need all that, but you're right. It does. It, there is interest that it creates. It, there, there's storylines, right? Sports are about mm-hmm. stories. Sports are about drama, and and the drama is there for sure. Yeah, I didn't like that they threw in the seventh seed into it. It just feels like you're taking away spots that were previously guaranteed. Yeah. And you know, I get the idea of wanting to have a wild card, wanting to have more games, and I I actually kind of like the idea of maybe having like eight or nine play for like. Oh, play like a one game series to determine who gets that last seed yeah. but it felt like it was a good solution to the pandemic and the suspension of games but it doesn't seem like something that should be implemented full-time but knowing the way the money works and knowing how the exposure works it's something that will probably get implemented in the next five that's years. the most important part right how the money works that's that answers a lot of questions in all of sports hey how does the money work college football looking at expanding the you know the playoff system well follow the money that's more games for the networks that's ultimately what it always boils down to i'm surprised college football hasn't just gone the full tournament route and just said all right 32 teams (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) just make them all bowl games right (laughs) i think it's harder to do that with football because of 
the violent nature of the sport, but I do think we're approaching like 12. I thought it would happen when this current contract expires. I thought it would happen and you know, the networks will obviously sign up for it. I think college football is gonna push for it. I think the big conferences are gonna push for it soon because that extra television money, if they revamp all of their television deals with the ABC and all these different networks, it'll help to a degree make up for so much of what they lost over the last year because of the pandemic. The NBA season is almost at the playoff time. So, Damien, right now, who would you pick Jeez. as your champions for each conference and who you Bro, got one in the finals? I don't know. That's a, yeah. hot, that's a hot take right there, dude. I don't know. Like, I refuse to pick Brooklyn. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I looked at Brooklyn. I actually liked Brooklyn before the James Harden trade. And I would have leaned towards Brooklyn representing the East before the Harden deal. But I have this weird, unhealthy, like vengeful feeling towards James Harden that I can't really explain. It kind of developed during the, you know, Russell Westbrook versus James Harden, those comps and conversations over the course of, you know, the last four or five years or so. And I've never let go of it. It's irrational. <laughs> it's stupid. It's one of those dumb things sports fans do. And it's one of the things that I'm doing with him. But I also, you know, from a from a neutral's perspective, look at that Brooklyn Nets team and feel like they've been unable to get healthy. They're not able to stay on the floor at the same time. Now, even if they are all healthy when the playoffs get here, it's still like, man, I can't ignore chemistry. So for that, I want to pick Philadelphia because I love Doc Rivers. But I'm kind of feeling like it might be Milwaukee that finally kind of gets that Chicago Bulls over the Detroit Pistons moment. Like they finally, you know, take that step up into the into the Eastern Conference Finals and in in even a step further representing the Eastern Conference. So I, I'm I'm going I wanna say Philadelphia, but I'm gonna go with Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee represents the Eastern Conference. And I kinda feel something similar in in the West. I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. I'm a huge Monty Williams fan. I don't know that Phoenix is ready for that. And and again, I do think experience is is important. And a team that learned the hard way last year is Los Angeles, the Clippers. Much like my feelings about Brooklyn, I kind of feel that way about the Lakers. Back spasms, ankles, all of these different things going on with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That's a loaded team, but if if they're this beat up this late in the season, uh, I would tend to lead a little bit more towards the Los Angeles Clippers. So if you force me to make a selection right now, uh, I'm going to go Clippers versus Bucks without picking a winner. I'm going to go Clippers versus Bucks, <laughs> and then you call me next week, and I'll probably have an entirely different pick. No, Damon, you got to pick now. I'm messing with you. I think, I think that, man, can you imagine if Ty Lu wins with the Clippers? Oh, can you imagine? Oh, man, can you imagine if it's the Clippers versus the 76ers? Oh, man, that's, that's a, crazy. That's a good story right there. Ooh, Ty yeah. Lu versus Doc Rivers, that's a, that's a good story right there. I, I'll go Clippers, though. I'll go Kawhi gets his third with a, uh, with a third team. Man, oh, man. This Ooh, is a tough, tough question right now, too, for me because I'm tend to be one of those guys. I mean, new information change, but I like to stick with my picks, though, usually. I have from the beginning and mid-year, and it's been Clippers, Lakers, Brooklyn versus Philadelphia all year mm. for me. 
But the last month, like you said, it's coming down to an iffy stretch here with health. And it's kind of getting me to like, I kind of want to jump off the bandwagon and go somewhere else. But you know what? I think I'm going to stick with it, Mac. I'm still going to stick with my regular picks. I had Nets versus the 76 and I have Nets going all the way. Even though the seven games only with those three is really throwing me off. Like you said, Damien, you got to like basketball, like it matters chemistry does matter no matter how much talent no matter how much talent you have even with those warriors teams people forget that you know the core of that team was together for a long time went on runs together you know that's different than dropping so many people in that they only had to drop kevin durant now they're dropping so many people in that mix so i feel like it's gonna be tough but i still don't think you know at the end of the day no one's gonna be able to stop kevin durant when he gets to it at the end of the game i think that's gonna be the big difference right there and i just feel like 76 i feel like the milwaukee but they just have to show me in the playoffs i won't be a believer till i see it in the playoffs with the bucks as sure. simple as that for me and yeah but i think 76 i think they're gonna i think yeah he's gonna i think joel and b's gonna play better than uh the greek freak so i think they're gonna that's why they're gonna get there and i think the nets are gonna go and i I've been telling Mac after last year, you know, they shitted the bed, the Clippers, <laughs> in a sense, and I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna make it. I think they're gonna make it. They're gonna p- place the Lakers, even though, I again, same thing right there. I can't doubt LeBron. I'm a LeBron fan, but stepping even you know, be, stepping away from being a fan, I just can't step away from the Lakers not winning. I just don't feel like they're gonna be when it's time to come. They're all ankles and backs are gonna be all ready to go, and they're gonna be able to get there. So I still got the Lakers versus Clippers. And I think we'll finally get the Battle of L.A., and I think LeBron, I think he's always going to, I'm always going to take LeBron in that situation, the best part on the floor. So if it's 2v2, I think I'm going to take Lakers versus the Nets, and I got them going back-to-back. I got the Lakers winning again. Okay, okay, okay. Now, you see, that was a pretty rational and well-informed argument. I'm going to do none of that, (laughs) and I'm just going (laughs) to randomly pick a uh, finals here because I think – my brain is telling me that the Lakers will somehow overcome everything and mm. come out of the West. But it would be really fun and cool to see Phoenix do it. So that's the team I'm going to pick. <laughs> history, yeah, you know, I, I like I love that. But in in history says, don't bet against LeBron James. Like mm-hmm. at least don't bet against LeBron James to not get to the finals. If he does nothing else. He gets to the finals, and you talked about Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is healthy or is close to healthy, there's like 82 games versus 82 games. The only player on the planet that's even remotely close to LeBron is Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. for me, like if you were if you were to tear off players, it's LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and they're an entirely different stratosphere. Then you can put everybody else, whether it's Giannis or it's Harden Agreed. or it's whoever. You, you can put whoever you want right there, but LeBron and Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant, like sits for a week and then oh, I'm going to play tonight. Cool. I'm going to drop 39. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to sit Damn. for another week and I'm going to come back. And I'm going to drop 41. Like he, it's what he does. Like it doesn't even make sense. And I'm fearful that we're past the days of, of him playing, you know, like 90% of the schedule. Because I feel like he might scale the schedule back to more like a if if we're in eighty two games maybe like a sixty five range something like that sixty five to seventy, but man that dude is freakishly freakishly good. I don't even want to start another rant about that sitting games, Damian. I don't even want to start that right now. <laughs> well, he's 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 older. Like he's a little bit older. He's 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 more banged up than he used to be. It's it's. It's a different time. Yeah, it's a different time. I'm good with it, but... Guess no jazz, no nuggets, love. No, like, <laughs> I, I don't... Just... 
I don't buy it. Like I like Mike Malone. I, I I respect the hell out of Quinn Schneider. I know everybody gave Nikola Jokic the MVP like a year ago. So just <laughs> give him the freaking trophy now, and let's get this stupid conversation over with. But um, yeah, no, it's it's not going to happen. Like Nikola Jokic will win the MVP. He'll win it once. He he won't be mentioned again because I don't know if you guys realize this. You I I, I guess now your playoff success is a is, is factored in because when you look at numbers. Jokic's season is extraordinary. It's really, really good. But look a little bit more at the numbers, and you'll realize that Giannis Antetokounmpo is having a spectacular season, just like he did last year when he won the MVP, just like he did the year before when he won the MVP. But like, oh, man, they're not winning in the playoffs. We can't give him a third MVP. Like, they're not even winning the finals. That ain't got nothing to do with nothing. The media has been so hyped to give it to Nikola Jokic. Just give it to him and get it over with. Well, Damian, you did mention there's three parts to the there's three parts to MVP me MVP to me. You know, the team success, personal sex, and the main thing you've been mentioning all day, storyline. And I think that's what that is right there, the storyline. Jokic is the storyline. Yep. And 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 I, I I thank you. You're I think I I love everything that you just said there. Uh, individual success, team success, and storyline. Storyline probably goes first. Sadly, right, yeah. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I mean, R- Russell Westbrook won because of the storyline. Like, think about it. What Russell Westbrook did in 2017 was incredible. We we, we had never seen it. He won the MVP for it. Like, wh- and I know it had happened before in the league, but I mean, most of us weren't alive for that. So Russell Westbrook wins the MVP. Well, then he did it again. Well, nobody talking about him winning the MVP. He did it a third time. Well, nobody talking about. It. He just did it again. Ain't nobody talking about him winning the MVP. Why? Because the story's not there. Giannis Antetokounmpo, same thing. He would have if he had won the finals last year. If the Bucks had won the finals, the story would have been: Can he be Larry Bird? Can he win his third straight? Only Larry Bird and one other person. It has to be Wilt, but I'm not positive that it's Wilt. Has won three MVPs in a row. Could it be Giannis Antetokounmpo? That would have been the whole storyline. But nope. They were ready to give it to Nikola Jokic last year. But Jokic came out a little chunky. He came out a little chunky. He was getting run over by Rashawn Holmes and the rest of the centers in the league. The pandemic hits. He loses 30 pounds. The Denver Nuggets are primed for a good season. And he's been ready to win that MVP all year. And he his numbers back it up. Like, he's had a great year. I just don't think it's as clear as... You know, people make it seem like Giannis is the or, or uh, Nikola Jokic is the unanimous MVP. Like, nah, that ain't it. Not for me. So going back to my finals pick in the Eastern Conference, I don't trust the 76ers in the postseason. I don't trust the Bucks in the postseason. Wow. I feel like I feel like the Brooklyn Nets have to win. So therefore, they will not. Hey, the Knicks are a fourth place. Why not them? That'd be hey. <laughs> b- b- you talk about. Man, you talk about turning the NBA world upside down. Let the Knicks get to the finals, boy. Like that'll be <laughs> Stephen A's head would explode. <laughs> All right. That. Yep. That's my finals. Suns versus Knicks, and I, I, I hope that's the finals. Good again. stuff, that'd right be there. So amazing. Good stuff, right and there. And I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Suns over that because it would it would just make sense that the Knicks get that close and fall. Chris Paul gets a ring. I'm all for it. Mister Hot Take <laughs> Mac, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Hot Take EM3, right? I like it. <laughs> 
All right, and that's where we're going to leave this episode of No Limits. Damien, thank you so much again for coming on and talking sports with us today. Yeah, Mac, uh, Gary, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to go check out all the other stories and podcasts on statehornet.com. And we'll see you back here next week for the next episode of No Limits. Peace.